0: Welcome to the Pioneer Valley Church of Christ podcast. Here we will have a collection of sermons, conversations, and other inspirational material to help you grow in your walk with God. We hope you enjoy. Morning, church. I was asked to share some thoughts about my relationship with Jesus and his death on the cross. Right now I'm reading a book by Louis Giglio called Don't give the enemy a seat at your table. Some of these ideas come from that book. Louis discusses how when we see ourselves in an unfavorable light, when we focus on all the things we aren't, we give Satan a place to sit beside us. We welcome him to a table that should be for us and God alone. Our identity is from God. We are chosen, forgiven, worthy, heirs with Christ we are no longer orphans but when we allow our guilt and shame over our sins to invade our minds we set a place for the enemy and welcome him in he is more than willing to take that spot what should be an intimate time with our creator becomes time shared with the enemy at the Last Supper in Mark 14 30 Jesus tells his apostles that one of them deny him three times before the rooster crows. Peter is quite vocal in saying he never will. Yet a few hours later, in the courtyard at Caiaphas' home, Peter denies even knowing Jesus over and over. When the rooster crows, Peter is crushed. He feels the guilt of his denial and also the shame of crumbling under pressure. Sin can be that way for us too, Imagine being in a place where you feel pressured. You might be tired, hungry, scared, stressed, and your choice is to either step toward Jesus or away from Jesus. It might be easy to say, I don't know Jesus, or I'm not a Christian, or I'm not following him right now, but it is far, far better to run towards Jesus and not let the enemy take a place at your table. After denying Jesus, Peter was crushed. He knew what he had done and how he sinned. He thought there was no way back. Luke 22, 62 said, he wept bitterly. After all this, Jesus went on to be crucified, and three days later, his body was no longer in the tomb. When the women told Peter, he ran there to see for himself and only saw strips of cloth in the tomb. He did not understand what had happened, and so he hid. I was a disciple for quite a few years when I let myself, in my sin, be convinced that I didn't need Jesus anymore. I turned away from walking closely with him and actually tried to hide from Jesus. Anyone who has tried knows it doesn't work. Jesus is the master at playing hide and seek. Anyway, I let the enemy sit at my table for far too long before I let myself hear the voice of the Holy Spirit calling me back. I started spending time with disciples again, repented of those sins, and came back into a close relationship with Jesus. Amen. He made sure Satan was no longer sitting with us. Amen. Now let's go back to see Peter. One night, he and a few other disciples decided to go out fishing. They tried all night to catch fish with no success. Peter turned his back on the commission Jesus gave him to fish for men, Matthew 4.19. In that commission, Jesus told Peter that there was a plan and a purpose for his life. Peter ignored all that and went back to his nets to catch fish, his old way of life. Peter felt the shame of his denial and did not know how to get restored. He was seated at the table with the enemy. At daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach making a fire. He knew what Peter and the others were fishing for and yelled to them asking if they had caught anything knowing full well they hadn't. Basically, he was saying, how's that working out for you? (laughs) Jesus told them to throw the net on the other side of the boat. Don't you think they tried that? They were experienced fishermen after all. What was different this time? Jesus was behind that statement. Jesus was giving them the opportunity to follow again, even after his denial. When they listened and threw their nets out on the other side, their nets were filled to overflowing with fish. Peter jumped out of the boat and swam to the beach to be with Jesus while the others brought in the hall. Jesus even made breakfast for them. Jesus had every right to shame Peter, but he never did. He welcomed Peter with open arms and the invitation to be close again. Jesus gives each of us that same invitation. No matter what we've done, how much shame or guilt we feel, we have the opportunity to repent and be close to Jesus again. Just remember, Satan wants to define you by your scars, but Jesus wants to define you by his scars. Thank you. I'd like to pray for communion. Dear Holy Father, we thank you so much for allowing us to be close to you. You are our creator you want us to be close. You want us to live a life that is good and holy. Help us to see that that's the right way to go. Help us to um, be close to you in all things, to repent quickly when we sin, and to just not allow that enemy to sit with us. Father, we thank you for giving us communion and allowing us to share in the death, burial, and resurrection of your son, and it's in his name I pray. Amen. Amen! Wow, that
1: was that was incredible. Thank you so much, worship team, for leading our worship. Wasn't that really amazing to think? And how could you not think about what a great God, what a great God we have? Amen. Amen. So, uh, but I didn't even know it was the first day of spring. I uh, was reminded of that. I've been so focused on. Uh, Trying to get ready for this morning, and uh, I, I love spring. I love this time of year, and uh, I'm sure everybody can can really relate to that. And it's great to be together, just to worship uh, together. Amen. Yeah. I'm going to talk uh, this morning about meetings. Yeah. I know everybody is uh, probably really curiosity peaked on that one. Yeah. Meetings. I mean, meetings are definitely a fact of life, aren't they? You know, we have all kinds of meetings, on the job, at school, with teachers, with, you know, maybe our financial planner, or, uh, and of course, in the church, we have a lot of meetings. And though they've changed quite a bit, I dare say, over the last year or so, uh, recently, they're, they're always going to be important. Meetings are always going to be important. And uh, there are some famous meetings which were very consequential that that I'll just relate, just to kind of set up as an intro. Uh, In 1971, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak met when Wozniak was in college and Jobs was still in high school. And the two bonded over their shared interests, and went on to co-create one of the most revered influential brands in technology, Apple, Apple Incorporated. During World War II, another famous meeting, Joseph Stalin, Winston Churchill, and FDR, Franklin D. Roosevelt, uh, the so-called Big Three, they met in Iran in 1943 at the famous Tehran Conference. And during that meeting, many important decisions were made uh, regarding military strategy for World War II. In fact, it it led to the Americans' commitment to launch Operation Overlord in May 1944, where uh, the U.S. invaded northern France. In nineteen twenty-eight in Pennsylvania. Hershey, Pennsylvania. Chocolate. <laughs> chocolate meets with peanut butter. <laughs> the Reese's peanut butter cup is created. You know, these are famous meetings, aren't they? Looking back in history, that these are meetings that had really profound, worldwide impact. And you might be thinking, okay, I don't relate to what you're talking about here at all. I mean, there's no way I could ever or would ever be in a meeting of such import, of such world impact, such an impactful meeting. But I would say, as insignificant, or as, I'm sorry, as significant as the impact of these meetings were, and they were profound, right? They did not have the spiritual, life-giving impact of the meeting that I'm going to talk about today. Today, for a few minutes, I want to talk about a meeting, a meeting that is awaiting for you and me, the most important meeting we'll ever have in our lives. And this uh, following our theme of deepening our roots uh, by worship, as Sajan talked about on Wednesday. So, in reading through Exodus a few weeks ago, I I started reading about, you know, the fascinating, inspiring description of the tent of meeting, or the tabernacle. The Israelites were instructed to assemble this Tent of meeting prior to going into the promised land. We first learn of the tent of meeting in Exodus 25. And there are over 250 references in the Bible to this mobile structure, this tent, this literal tent. And uh, and, and actually up through 1 Chronicles 6 where we read about Solomon actually building the temple in Jerusalem, which of course replaced forever, and for all time, the, the, the mobile structure, the Tent of Meeting. And th- it wasn't needed anymore. And there's so many things that, and you read through the Tent of Meeting, doing I encourage you to read, it's a, it's a great study, there's so many things that happen at the Tent of Meeting. Um, so many details about its construction, the management of, of the, the tent, it's an amazing, and like I said, an, a rich study all on its own. You know, for one, Moses met God there, right? He, he went to the Tent of Meeting to meet God. The glory of God was revealed at the entrance to the Tent of Meeting. It's an amazing thought that the glory of God, we'll talk about a little bit more in detail. Priests were ordained there. All, all significant events in the life of the Israelites occurred at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And of course, animal sacrifices were made there, just to name a few. But I want to focus, let's turn over to Exodus 29. I want to focus on this morning on an aspect that's talked about there. Exodus 29, and verse 42. For generations to come, this burnt offering is to be made regularly at the entrance to the tent of meeting before the Lord. There, there I will meet you. There I will meet you and speak to you. There also I will meet with the Israelites, the place will be consecrated by my glory. I want to focus this morning, just for a few minutes, on this one sentence that really struck me. There I will meet you, the God of all glory is saying that to us. There I will meet you, or he's saying it to the Israelites, and it applies to us as we'll talk about. There I will meet you and speak to you. What a meeting! What an unbelievable thought. What a meeting. An amazing prospect and an amazing promise that God gives us. To meet with God and to be spoken to by the creator of the universe, the all-powerful, all-knowing creator. To have this access, to have this fellowship. It's an amazing thought. I want us to think about it this morning. And of course, in Christ, in Christ, you know, Michelle did such an awesome job. Appreciate her bringing us to the cross, talking about what Jesus did for us—the death, burial, and resurrection. She shared so vulnerably, and just appreciated that so much. But in Christ, meeting with God, it, it's not relegated to to one location, to one structure. <laughs> praise praise God. Praise God. We have such unbelievable freedom to meet with God. So much latitude in our worship, in our being rooted in our relationships to God. And I want to talk this morning about really the tent of meeting, but make some applications to our situation in that freedom. We can learn some spiritual truths, some practicals, for our own lives from the descriptions of what happened with the Tent of Meeting. And I'll focus on three, three of those in our time this morning. The three points we'll talk about are committing, inquiring, and worshiping. Committing, inquiring, and worshiping. Amen. Now let's turn over to Exodus 25. We'll start with the commitment here that's being made, Commit, committing. Amen. So Exodus 25, starting in verse 1 there. The Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering from me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. These are the offerings you are to receive from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet yarn, fine linen, goat hair, goat hair, okay, uh, ramskins dyed red and another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, for the fragrant incense, and the onyx stones, other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastpiece. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. He's asking for an offering from the Israelites, right? He's asking them to sacrifice. And no small things. I mean, gold, silver, you know, jewels. Uh, Yeah, goat hair. That's right. Wow. I wouldn't let anybody touch my goat hair. I don't know. But, uh, But yeah, it's quite a sacrifice. And then later he tells them, what to do, how to construct the tent, you know, what goes into the the construction of the tent and gives very explicit direction as to how to, to put that tent together. And then God says, I'll meet them. I'll meet the Israelites at that tent. He will dwell with them. He will dwell among them. An amazing promise. But God is directing his people to provide. The raw materials, isn't he? He's asking them to sacrifice in order to build the place where they're going to worship Him, to commit to donating from their possessions the material for the construction of the tent. And that's, that's kind of an interesting because could God, could God not fabricate the structure? I mean, out of his, his own creative nature? <laughs> he surely could. Or could God have not designated some awesome, natural uh, feature as a place to meet him? Like he did with the burning bush. I mean, man didn't have anything to do with that, right? He could have done that. But no, he asked them to sacrifice uh, from their possessions and to build the tent of meeting. In his wisdom, he instructs the people to donate, to sacrifice from their personal resources. There must be I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but there must be some purpose in God's plan. There must be some purpose in him having having his, the Israelites do that, fundamental spiritual principles implicit in this approach to seeking and obtaining God's presence, God's presence. Now don't get me wrong. Now, in saying this, I'm not, I'm not saying that meeting with God has to be some extravagant, strenuous effort only. you know, uh, As we'll talk about, meetings with God can be very spontaneous, insignificant, and unexpected as well. But he does, it's not lost on us that he does require us to sacrifice in order to meet with him. No tabernacle like for us, I said. No Jerusalem. Not just this worship hall. We can meet him anywhere. You know, I sent a note out to the, to, to, to the church um, requesting some memorable favorite go-to places uh, uh, and practices for meeting God and allowing him to speak to us. And, and I got a number of responses. Thank you so much for the amazing ideas. I've asked three uh, of us to, to come up and share. First, Barbara. I mean, Barbara's going to share first. She should be making her way up here. And as she's coming up, um, let me say, the three that I've asked to share are prime timers. <laughs> We're prime timers. And, uh, you know, I figured, you know, so the whole sermon is being done by, by prime timers. I figured we had, you know, we have teen-led services, campus-led, and they're awesome. Singles-led, why not? You know, all... Why not?
2: Yeah, i got to pull that down. Jeff. My my turn? (laughs) Yeah, Jeff! So my meeting is like a one-on-one meeting, solitary meetings, and my place for my meetings is nature. And you can start that. Thank you. So people that know me know I'm an early morning person. I mean, I'm up at like five. (laughs) But anyway, it's allowed me over the years to take walks and sometimes just in the most beautiful places in the world. And we lived in Florida for a few years. And these walks led me to some awesome moments. One morning, I decided I was going to walk across one of the fairways at the golf course. And you're not supposed to do that. But I was on the back nine and the workers aren't out there then. And when I did, the sun rose. And you can see, I mean, the picture doesn't totally do it justice, but this was a really awesome moment. At that moment washed in the first light of day, I did not feel alone. There was another presence. And it's not something I could easily explain. It was a feeling and it was a gift given to me. And I call them my God moments. I enjoy taking pictures and I've been able to record a lot of these moments. So my next one, go ahead, thanks Mike. Another special place is on the House of Refuge on the Atlantic Coast in Stewart. It's a lighthouse which saved many a shipwrecked sailor. It's a peninsula and there's a river to the left of it and the ocean to the right. And there's sort of just a a rocky crag there and um, the water washes up over the stones and I always would find myself going to that place whenever there was going to be a storm because it was so magnificent you can see the shore is just behind those rocks but the waves were so high that they were splashing over and you just stand there and you just feel um, the magnificence of of creation and these moments in time have remained with me true gifts given to me by the creator of the universe and one of my favorite um, lines, scriptures, is Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. Thank you.
1: Amen. Wow, Barb, thank you so much. She did an awesome job there. That's great. Thank you for the uh, visuals, too. It means so much. One of the things about what Barb shared relates to this point, I think, of committing. You know, to meet with God, to, to keep that appointment, to, to meet with God, we need to sacrifice. We need to be intentional. She uh, you know, knew that she was going to see something great and be inspired when she took the time to go to that spot at the time when there was going to be a storm or, or whatever. She was very intentional. She invested in it in order to, to – uh, she invested time, she invested resources – In order to meet with God, she knew she would be inspired in her meeting with God. And I I think that's incredible. So many others related uh, concerted intentional sacrifice in order to meet with God too. Lisa Shiren, talk about climbing a mountain, you know. uh, Not a shocker to anybody here that knows Lisa. Uh, Carrie Casalinas referred to getting out of the house, you know, and and even meeting God in the parking lot of Big Y. You know, that was where she really connected. And, uh, you know, of course, Bob Arsenault described the hours and hours of commitment. The hours that he's committed to memorizing Scripture. For him, that helps him meet with God and and to be close to him that way. Uh, You know, for me, I think, setting aside the time aside to, to pray consistently for for all of you in the church. Part of meeting with God for me is having community on my heart because so much of who we are as disciples is is our fellowship, is our community. And it's hard to know, of course, what each of your needs are. I don't know that. But God knows. And, and um, by lifting up your names, the names of your children. Uh, I gain confidence that God is working in my life and uh, and that he's going to work in your life too. So, committing. Commit to having that time with God. Commit our time and resources in order to meet God and allow him to speak to us. The second point, inquiring. Inquiring. Is over in Exodus 33, 7. Exodus 33, verse 7. Now, Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp, some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent outside the camp. So the Israelites knew. I want to inquire something of God. I this is where I do it. This is part of my meeting with God. So that's the second, second aspect of, of meeting God, and that's inquiring of Him. Inquiring. I see from this that that when I seek that meeting with the Lord, I need to have a spirit of inquiry. You know, a a spirit of openness. You know, so often, if I'm honest with myself, I'm tempted to think, you know, okay, I've got this. I got, you know, I see where they're going here. Uh, I I see the point. I really know what God's will is in any situation. Uh, I've analyzed doctrine this way and that, or as I counsel someone uh, about a concern or an issue, that somebody describes to me, I can, I can maybe already have an answer ready before they're done. You know, I can be tempted to have that similar spirit. <clears throat> and Some of you might have even heard me describe the journey that God took me personally on, but us as a church, uh, even on our studying the women's role in the church uh, in the assembly. I shared this in the summaries of our studies of that topic, I hadn't previously done a thorough job honestly, on studying this important topic. And uh, I I hadn't sought out a lot of advice or, or tried to obtain the perspective of other people thoroughly. And submissively, most of all, most of all, submissively inquired of God. I mean, that sounds so simple, I know. But just simply inquiring of Him. When I meet with God, is at the ten of meeting, I need, to, I need to inquire. I need to have a spirit of inquiry. I'm going to ask Carmen to come forward now. Woo! Carmen is going to share. And, and I really feel like it's opened, uh, this, this uh, God has opened my eyes to what some of you, obviously, regularly, come on up, Carmen. Some of you regularly practice in your meetings with God. Like even we sung earlier, Uh, in the KJV in Matthew 7, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Such a common, you know, on the top of our head scripture, but so, so critical for us to inquire of God. Carmen's going to share a little bit about her personal closeness.
3: Well, my personal closeness with God, meeting with God, it's in the mornings. When I wake up, first thing I say, good morning, Daddy. Thank you for waking me up and giving me a new day. Mm. And then I would get down on my knees. Mm. And that's where I would meet with God, commune with him. I would talk with him. And when I'm done, I always, always sing a song for him. And my song goes like this. I love you, Lord. For well, your mercies never fail. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up till I lay my head. I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. Because all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so So good, with every breath that I am able, I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. And that's how I spend my time with God in the morning. When I'm done, later on, my husband and I will get together and we will sit and listen to God's word. That's how I spend my time with God.
1: Wow. Wow. I, who didn't have goosebumps, you know, during that or a tear? That's amazing. Thank you so much, Carmen. You know, another amazing example. Is I, Jenny Hammond shared uh, in, in a note how she strives to be silent. She strives to be silent in God's presence. To allow space for God to speak. She states, I open myself up to his presence, admit my need for him, invite him to come with my spirit. And and speaking uh, and being having the spirit of speak, your servant is listening. Wow, that was really impactful. Jennifer McCormick and Anna Starozic also mentioned being completely alone quieting their minds and being able to, to listen to God. Hudson, Hudson Gutza, he put together a, a three-page study uh, analysis on the tabernacle, which was awesome uh, and really helpful. And some of his, some of his points is that you know, God wants to have a dialogue with him. God wants to dialogue with him, wants to commune with him, and wants to give him a new beginning, a new start. What what amazing examples. Thank you so much for for sharing these. So, you got committing, you know, sacrificing, being intentional. You got inquiring and asking of God. And third, you have worship, worshiping. And as as Sajan teed up on Wednesday, worshiping God in all his glory is so integral to meeting with him. Look in Exodus 33. Exodus 33, verses 9, verse 9 and 10. As Moses went into the tent, The pillar of cloud. The pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance. While the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance, they stood and worshipped. Each at the entrance to their own tent. This next feature of the Tent of Meeting is that the glory of God would be visible. The glory of God would be visible, evident there in the form of this so-called glory cloud. Just just try it in your mind's eye to imagine what that scene was like. To see not just the, the cloud, the pillar, but to see the whole community worshiping as they viewed the, the glory cloud. What an incredible scene that must have been. And it's not a stretch to imagine the people worshiping in the forms that Sajjan talked about, is it, on Wednesday? Yada, hands of praise, right? Halal, exuberance, dancing. Barak, maybe kneeling. I'm going to ask Bruce to, to come up now, uh, Bruce Miller. The visual demonstration of God's creation, the work of his hands, is an incredible stimulant, isn't it, to recognizing God's promise, or God's presence, I'm sorry, of his meeting, of us meeting with God. Bruce.
4: Hi, I, um, thanks for being here. Uh, I think you can see God's presence almost anywhere, I mean if you're looking for it, and I really believe that it's an attitude of gratitude. If you have gratitude in your heart, you're going to see God. You're going to see God everywhere. You know, I could talk about uh, you know, the darkness of a, of a, of a pre-dawn uh, beach with waves crashing in and, and seeing the seeing sunrise, but I'm not going to talk about that today. I'm going to talk about a picture. picture uh, that goes back quite a ways and I would have brought the picture but you know a picture tells a thousand words and Tom only gave me two minutes (laughs) so uh, that picture was a picture uh, that's in our basement and it's a picture that goes back a couple days after May 31st 2004 anybody know what that date is Who said that? There it is, right there. It's Michaela's birthday. I don't know, I'm getting choked up. Um, But it was a picture of her father, Steve, sitting in a chair and holding Michaela a couple days after birth. And he had his eyes so transfixed on Michaela because it was a miracle of miracles. My four-year-old older granddaughter, Jordan, was standing there beside Steve with her eyes just transfixed on Michaela, And it was one of the most miraculous things that we have seen, and and a lot of us have have seen births, especially you. Uh, But, I mean, it's a wonder of wonder. It's miracles of miracles, and if you can appreciate that, then you have gratitude for, for what God's giving us. And I think if we can focus on our attitude for, of gratitude for our blessings, I think we're all going to be better off. Thank you.
1: Wow. This is great. You know, Ed, Ed Connor also shared that he meets with God. As he's holding a sleeping grandchild. Tanisha Luna, Donald Smith, they shared how focusing on God's glory in his creation and nature helps them connect and listen to God. To be grateful, Bruce said, and to see things in perspective allows the time to be open and honest in prayer and to often hear. To hear or feel his presence. Amazing, isn't it? That, that the way uh, different things, God's creation, God's perfection can just move us in that way. And to have that focus is so important in meeting God. You know, but worshiping. The demonstrative kind of worship that we talked about on Wednesday. That's hard for me. You know, that's sort of hard for me. I'm a little messed up when it comes to doing Something physical in relation to my worship. Just a window into my makeup, okay? Just a little bit of a window. When I was in high school, I had a car. It was a a hand-me-down from my dad. And I was grateful for that car. It was a convertible. A 62 Chevy Impala. And you might say, wow, that's awesome. My My friends were like, so cool. You got a convertible put the top down, let's cruise around, it's going to be awesome. But you know how many times I put the top down on that car? Zero. That's how messed up I am. Zero, zero times. I did not want people looking at me. Now, now, Alan Jan, you look great in... Uh, with the top down in your Mustang, by the way. But that's me. I just did not like the attention. I didn't like to drive around. Because, you know, you see somebody with the top down, you're always, you know, you're always looking at them. So that tells you a little bit about, about me. I've been thinking about the worshiping piece, and I've concluded that I'm focused, I'm focused on the wrong thing. And you're all saying, oh, really? You know, great insight, Captain Obvious. But I'm focused on the wrong. I'm not focused on God's glory. I'm not focused on, you know, outwardly, like like what Bruce was talking about. In my meetings, in my God meetings, how much of my attention is on the glory of God? Am I truly spending effort and 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 time, Striving to visualize God's glory and to worship, just to worship Him. That pillar of cloud at the meeting place. It takes that kind of intentional focus, especially for somebody like me who is not—it's not natural. It's not something that I naturally go to. And as we conclude, I want to just—you uh, know—the New Testament compares. This is is wild. The New Testament compares the relative glory that we experience in Christ, the relative, the the glory in Christ relative to what these Israelites had. And it's over in 2 Corinthians 3. We'll read this as as we close out. 2 Corinthians 3, verse... 9. If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, and it was, like we talked about, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory in comparison. It has no glory in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if that and if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts. The glory that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen. It's an amazing passage when you even think about it. It had to have been a glorious time to see God in his, in his glory there at the tent of meeting. In comparison, the Bible says, that's no glory compared to what we have. I've got some work to do, guys. I mean, to get there. I've got some, some studies, some work, some prayer to do to meet God. And I pray that our time, the great, those, that sharing was amazing. I mean, I just loved it. I mean, it just Barb, Carmen, Bruce, thank you so much. It was awesome. But I pray that our time has helped to see the need to meet with God and allow Him to speak to us. Commit to it. Make a commitment. Inquire of Him and, and worship Amen. His glory. Amen. And I know if you're visiting with us or you're new to our fellowship, maybe maybe meeting God is not something that you've ever done or even maybe thought about. Uh, you know, so I would just say maybe this has stimulated something in your minds. It's so... Reach out to those who've invited you. Ask about how you, can, how you can set up this very important appointment, this very important meeting in your life. Amen.
0: This has been an episode of the Pioneer Valley Church of Christ podcast. To learn more about us, visit our website at www.pioneervalleycoc.org.